My name is Abigail Boatwright, and today we're going to be reading Matthew 3.16 to 4.11. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We, uh, we were coming out of COVID. I could see that back a few months ago. And as we were looking to the summer upcoming, um, with the increase of vaccines, with the numbers going down, I was like, okay, so we're gonna be coming out of it this summer. We're gonna be able to gather again as a church. And how do we do that well? And, whoop, there we go. Um, not like that. One of my hopes in this summer has been to reflect on the past year and a half, to properly grieve the losses of the past year and a half, to listen to God and let him speak to us again in the way that he was speaking to us throughout the past year and a half. I think this past year and a half has been an incredible challenge for pretty much everyone for various reasons. And as we're coming out of it, my hope is this, is to remember, or rather to, ha to remember what God wants me to remember. You know, a year ago, we were coming out of that first wave of lockdown, and I remember thinking, you know what, I don't want to forget how, much, how important people are to me, and I just wanted to be with people, and people matter more than anything else. And then a few months later, we were back in semi-versions of lockdown, and I just got tired of trying to think about that. And it was that reminder, what was it God was trying to tell me a year ago? Did I forget that? And, and what is God calling me to now? As we're coming out of COVID, I don't just mean what is God calling you to this upcoming six months, but think about this as a reset of the next five to 10 years, whatever season you're entering, you're in college or entering college, you uh, have little kids now and maybe five years ago you didn't, what does God want from you in the next five to 10 years? And maybe what does this summer look like as a reset for all of us to renew our discipleship? Discipleship basically means this. Well, the difference between being a Christian and being a disciple, a lot of people say they're Christians, which basically means they tick the box on some denomination or go to church. A disciple is somebody who is trying to follow Christ, who has said, my life is about Jesus Christ. Discipleship is being formed into the image of Christ. God's purpose for us is to be formed more and more into the image of Christ and to live out God's kingdom purposes for us. 
it doesn't just involve showing up at a Sunday church service. I mean, it's a great thing to do. But it involves a life oriented to and submitted to who Christ is. So this summer, especially starting in two weeks, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. This week and next, we're looking at Matthew 4. And a book that I'm encouraging you to get if you want to get one is What If Jesus Was Serious? It's by uh, the uh, Sky Jatani, who uh, is part of the Holy Post uh, podcast and has done that for a number of years. And it's a, it's a great little, basically 70 mini chapters, two page chapters. You could read it all during the summer. It's got illustrations, very simple, just to ask the question, what if Jesus was serious when he invited us to follow him as disciples and then gave the Sermon on the Mount? So this morning we're looking at Jesus as he's entering into ministry for the first time himself. And as he's entering into ministry, the Holy Spirit leads him into a time of testing, of preparation for ministry and mission. So what has just happened, and we saw it in the very first couple of verses that Abigail read for us in chapter 3, is Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descends, and the Lord says to him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The very next thing is the Holy Spirit has not just fallen on him, but it drives him out into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by Satan. And that was his preparation for public ministry. I'm going to try and be uh, a little bit brief today so we can also hear from Sabrina, but just a couple things to hang our hat on as we're thinking about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. It's what Jesus does when he is tested by Satan. And what Jesus does when he is tested by Satan is it has to do with his desires and his power and a definition of good. Okay, so hear that out. Desires, power, definition of good. So all of us have desires. It's your wants and your needs. Some of those are emotional or biological. You can also have aspirational desires, hopes, things that you're dreaming of in life. These are our desires, our longings in life, or our actual needs. The second is power. Every one of us has power, meaning ability or capability to do stuff. It's things you have control over, things that you um, are allowed to do. So if I take my desires and my power, that's what Satan is playing on right here. He's playing on Jesus' desires and needs and his abilities, his power, what's within his realm of doing something. So then the question is what he should do. And that has to do with how you determine what is good, what's right and true and beneficial. Do you determine what's right and good and true and beneficial because you say it's okay? Because others say it's okay? Because everyone says it's okay? Or is there something else? So what happens in the first temptation is the devil comes to him and he's been fasting for 40 days. And then it says he's hungry, right? That makes sense. We get that need, that desire is, I haven't eaten for 40 days, I'm kind of hungry. And Satan, the voice of Satan comes to him saying, See this stone over here? Why don't you just turn it into bread? It's a very reasonable thing to do. You're hungry, that is natural, that is biological, and you have the power, the capability of turning bread, uh, the stone into bread. Why don't you just go ahead and do it? And on top of that, no one's gonna know that you did it. No one will see this. So why doesn't he do it? If I could do that, if I could take a stone and turn it into bread and I hadn't eaten in 40 days, 
I would do that. If you have the desire or even the biological need for something, and you have the power or the right to do it in a sense, everyone says it's okay, do you do it? The next temptation is about Jesus' aspirations, not his biological need. Satan takes him and has him view the temple. The temple was the high holy place of Israel. It was the center of, uh, of worship for the Jewish people. And on top of the temple, Satan gives him this vision of, why don't you just throw yourself, jump off of the temple? Because the angels will catch you up. And on top of that, you have the power to fly. I mean, you're, you're God, right? If you do that, everyone will know that you are the Messiah. The first temptation was to do something that no one would see. Now it's to do something that everyone will see. But with a good purpose, right? Jesus had come so that people would follow him as the Christ. And in believing in him, he could establish God's kingdom. I don't know if you guys ever asked that question. Like, why didn't Jesus find another way to do the thing he had to do? Why a cross? Why not throw yourself off the temple, be caught in the air, and then the leading, the priests, the religious leaders, the Roman authorities, because they had Roman guards and soldiers there, and all the Jewish populace who were there would see, oh, this guy is something else. He must be a prophet, the Messiah, the Christ. They would follow him. How do you know what to do? And what does Jesus do? What Jesus does is what discipleship is about for us. He submits, submits, it's a hard word, submits his desires and his power and his definition of good to the God the Father. So what does that mean for us? If we're to be conformed into the image of Christ, and the more we are conformed into the image of Christ, it involves submitting our desires, our wants, even our biological needs, along with, along with our power. Anything we have ability to do. We have money to do, we have right to do. We, it's allowed to do in this country. And submitting that to the Lord and letting God define what is good and right and true and beneficial. How does Jesus do it? Jesus does it, three things I want to point out that Jesus does in order to submit his desires and his power to the God the Father, defining good in God's ways, is he first knows the truth. How does Jesus answer Satan every time, right? He quotes the Bible. He quotes scripture. He's quoting the Old Testament. He quotes scripture because he knows the truth and he doesn't define truth culturally. He doesn't define truth independently from the Father. The scriptures are God's way. The Bible is God's way of saying, this is what I want you to know about who I am and what I'm doing in this world. So he understands truth from scripture. The second thing Jesus does is he is in constant communion with God the Father. He is regularly, constantly in prayer, in conversation with the Father. He has a relationship with the Father. Do you know discipleship looks like continually growing in a mind that is attuned to God the Father. What does the voice of Satan sound like, by the way? Do you think it's a hissing sound, like snaky, right? The voice of Satan, in my experience, 
is that voice inside your head when you're thinking about yourself and not the Lord. It actually sounds like my voice. Telling me what I want, what I need, what I deserve. Jesus is constantly attuned to the Father. The voice inside of his head, his own personal ego voice, is attuned to the Father. It's a conversation with the Father, not just with himself. That's actually what prayer is on a very baseline. It's attuning your heart and your mind to the Father and talking with him and listening to him and recognizing he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. So he knows the truth. He's in communion with the Father. And then the last thing Jesus does, he obeys. He faithfully obeys the Father. Christian discipleship is about faithfulness and obedience in the end. It's saying, I'm gonna submit my life, my heart, my desires to God and follow him. It's about your choices and your actions. To put it simply, or in a way that might be semi-memorable, it's Jesus knows God's word. He experiences God's love and he walks in God's ways. God's word, God's love, God's ways. The question for me as I was reading this, and I guess also for you, is are my desires and my power and my definition of good being formed by God's word, God's love, and God's ways? Jamie Smith, a philosopher and theologian, wrote a book, You Are What You Love. In You Are What You Love, Jamie Smith argues that we are constantly being formed and discipled by something. Whatever we give our minds to is discipling us. You are a disciple of something. It might be Jesus. But there's other things that we give our minds to. And the things we do shape and form our desires and our loves. And the things you do regularly or habitually form your thoughts, your mind, your heart, your desires. The things we do are doing something to us, in other words. The things we do are doing something to us. An invitation of discipleship is to know God's word, to push into and experience God's love, and then submit your desires, your abilities, your definition of good, to walk in and follow God's ways. Discipleship, though, hear this, discipleship is not just knowing and doing right things, okay? Discipleship is not just knowing and doing right things. It involves that, but it's not just knowing and doing right things. Discipleship is primarily knowing who you are and becoming who God intends you to be. So discipleship is not just knowing and doing good things or the right things. It's primarily first, know who you are and become who God intended you to become. And that involves having a gospel identity. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus, in his first temptation, right, is out there, he's hungry, and the devil says, hey, take this stone, turn it into bread. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you know what he's quoting there? He's quoting the Old Testament, but he's also citing the word of God that has already come to him. The word of God came to him a couple verses earlier. 
In the previous instance, in verse 17 of chapter 3, it says, Behold, a voice from heaven, God, God's word, comes to Jesus and says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I do not live, Jesus is saying, I don't live just for my own physical, biological desires and needs. I live with an identity that is formed and shaped by God's love for me as his son and his approval and acceptance of me right now. That is what faith in Christ involves. When you put your faith in God, in Christ, as your savior, when you put your faith in Christ as your savior, not in yourself, God views you as he views Jesus. God views you completely and wholly as he views Jesus. So whatever God the Father would say about Jesus the Son is what he would say about you. You don't look like it. You don't act like it. But this is what God says to you. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. You are my son. My son, I love you. I accept you. Not on the basis of what you've done, but what Jesus did. That is your gospel identity. And there is power, incredible power in that gospel identity to quiet the voice of Satan or of self or of the culture around us. And to enable us to walk into discipleship, to be formed more and more into the image of Christ. To walk into the fulfilling of God's kingdom purposes for us. We are being invited this summer and in Jesus' life, and in the Sermon on the Mount, to follow Jesus faithfully and obediently, to become more and more his sons and daughters, all the while resting in the love and acceptance that God the Father has given us through Jesus the Son. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning as we celebrate Sabrina's baptism, and she is professing her faith in Jesus, acknowledging that she is a daughter of God, fully accepted and loved. May we experience that ourselves. Walk into the fullness of God's word, God's love, and God's ways. Becoming the sons and daughters we are made to be. In Jesus' name, amen.